welcome back to the Engineering YouTube and podcast. And it is Friday the 3rd of February. And I just thought I'd check in with you guys again. So uh, what have we got this week? Uh, tomorrow I am off to Silverstone for the collecting cars, uh, cars and coffee. And I'll be heading there with Mick. So Mick is at GT4 Winchester. Um, Mick and I go back a few years now and connected. We're in the middle of a um, fairly boring business meeting and both kind of knew that we both like Porsches got chatting and ended up being good mates so Mick uh, has kind of always been on the periphery in terms of engineering and sort of dipped in and out and there's some bits coming sort of later on with him as well but um, yeah so Mick and I are going to be heading to um, Collector Cars at Silverstone tomorrow and I'll record a bit of a waffle with him on the way and then uh, so yeah after the intro you'll uh, you'll jump straight into that um, but I also wanted to share I, th I talked a little bit before about uh, what I've got booked for the rest of the year so I just wanted to share that with you guys now so so with date order I guess uh, I'm at Porsche at Podium Place on the 26th of February uh, Bista Scramble on the 23rd of April Flat 6 at Goodwood on the 8th of July Festival of Speed on the 15th of July. Uh, but I'm going to press day on the Thursday. So I think, th well, Thursday will be 13th, wouldn't it? So um, so there's a bit of a clash between that and Porsche in the park. And I really want to go to Porsche in the park. So I might end up just doing the press day. Joe is out on that at the moment. Um, my cousin Nick, who will, I think he's going to be the first or second um, Your Porsche story that's going to be starting fairly soon. Um, he, he, we, we've been together for the last few, um, revivals and festival of speeds and we'd kind of a, agreed to go for the two days, but I'm going to try and convince him to do, um, Goodwood on the press day on the Thursday and then Porsche in the park on the Saturday. But Hey, he'll probably be listening to this and thinking, well, you haven't talked to me about any of this. <laughs> anyway, Nick, if you're listening, let's, let's do Goodwood and Porsche in the park. Porsche in the park's on the 15th of July. And then we've got uh, Piston Heads 25th anniversary on the 12th of August. Um, in between that, somewhere I'm fitting in this Euro trip. Um, the intention is to drive my 981 Cayman to the highest road in Europe. Um, and you guys will be coming along with me for the ride as well. So um, we're kind of storyboarding it about at the moment, the editors and I, to try and really create... Um, something as good i mean cinematic word cinematic came into my head but reasonable to have our expectations in actually what we can produce but um cinematic in a clunky kind of ground roots way but yeah we're going to do our best to try and get some really good footage so that's the list of uh, so far anyway that's the list of events that i'll be going to um i'll look any of any of those events if it's good weather i'll be wearing a t-shirt that's got engineering all over the back of it and the our logo on the front and if it's you know pretty poor weather they'll be um wearing a jacket a soft shell with um, the logo all over it so if you see me when you're out at an event um come and say hello if you've listened to this and you've got any feedback at all happy to have it if you want to come on the show and you want to do a um your Porsche story my Porsche story um then let me know to let me know if you're listening to this and you don't bump into me and you want to come on the, on the channel, on the show, then um, yeah, you can either 
uh, at me at Rengineering UK on Instagram or and it's the same on Facebook at Rengineering on Facebook. Um, but yeah, just get in touch with any of those any of those channels and, and and ping me a message and we can sort something out. Those will be kind of ten or fifteen minute chats. So. Um, and if you've never been on a on a any any sort of show before and you're a little bit nervous, I'm an idiot doing this. I don't know what I'm doing half the time, so we can be idiots together. So please don't worry about you know what you what you have to say and whether your story is interesting enough. All journeys are interesting. Everything that everybody's done and how they've got to where they are, you know, this stuff doesn't come easily to any of us. There's always something that's you know fascinating in the background, even if you don't recognise it. So yeah, don't let that put you off. Uh, be happy to have you. Um, so there are a few other little things as well that's worth catching up on. Um, obviously those are the shows I've got booked, but I'm starting to kind of fill the diary with, um, booking more tech talks or heritage sessions. And the first one of those is on the 24th of February and I'm off to boxing gas, um, to see Frank Cassidy and get walked around, um, the site. I mean, I have been to the site before, um, but I hadn't really spoken to Frank um, and if you haven't, I mean, if you I get if you're outside of the UK, you might not come across Frank, but Frank Cassidy and runs, you know, this amazing, super cool venue, um, also farm on the same site as well. And yeah, just that guy, what he doesn't know about air cooled stuff isn't worth knowing. So I put him right in terms of aesthetic and just the cool factor. Um, there's amazing people all across the country doing great work in terms of, you know resto mods or backdates but um yeah frank's work is is right up there as well so um so that'll be a really interesting talk we're going to talk to him about his you know, again same sort of start same sort of profile i guess you know what where did he come from what's his background um you know how did he get interested in porsche and how you know more importantly he's not an old guy it's not like he's in his 70s or anything but he's kind of built this incredible venue and, and got a catalog of of his own porsche so um i'm really looking forward to that chat that was i was buzzing when i got when he kept, got back to me and said yeah definitely let's do it very quickly put a date in the diary um and i think for you guys it's probably worth noting that it's, it's one thing having a conversation about yeah let's have a chat or yeah come down and see us it's a whole nother thing turning a chat into actually prepping and going traveling there you know if it you know i'm, I'm on the south coast in the uk um, and you know the people are based all over the country um, and this, this is remember this is not my day job so all this stuff I've got to take leave for or try and do it on a weekend um, so that kind of probably gives you an indication as to why some things take a little while to come out but Frank was all over it and just got back to me straight away and said yeah he'd love to do it so um, unfortunately boxing gas being in kind of the Oxfordshire area yeah it's, it's, a, it's a trip but it's not kind of not totally unreasonable to do a day trip there and back i've done it before so um yeah so i'm really looking forward to that um i've kind of been making a, a kind of list i've got an ongoing um note in my um my iphone with all the kind of ideas i've had and i've got you know i need to start going through these and, and packaging them up into into um episodes really because there's some I'm really proud of you know the ideas that I've had and and not just me but some of my friends and and other people in the um Porsche arena and you know we've talked about things and stuff's come up and I'm like yeah this is going to be a great idea this is going to be this is going to translate really well it's going to turn into a great episode so um so and I can only start putting some of those in the diary as well but the diary you know given that again like I said this isn't my full-time job in any way I'm doing this sort of on the side and trying to finish a degree 
um, my degree wraps up this year as well and that's a bachelor's with honours in combined STEM so um, yeah science technology engineering maths for those people that haven't caught up on what STEM is but I'll do another episode on STEM anyway so there's a lot going on and at the same time um, we're we've got builders here at the moment and um, building a salon for my wife to work in so yeah just to, to say is is it's a lot is an understatement so so that kind of wraps up uh, what's going on with me. I hope you guys are all well. I hope everything's you've had a good week. Um, thank you for coming back if this is your a repeat. And thank you for joining me if this is your first time um, joining Reengineering for a waffle episode. Um, so far, these have all been waffles. But yeah, tech, tech talk and... Oh no, there's been... There's been I tell a lie. This is unprepared and waffly this is. Um, there is already part one of... Um, the tech talk for um so you want to be an f1 um and i really encourage anyone that has um themselves considered joining motorsport in an engineering or a kind of technical capacity or as a mechanic or as an engineer to go back and listen to that um you know it's those those ones are longer than this they're 45 minute episodes um part two is shot it's done it's probably 90% of the way through being edited and just about ready to go uh, and I will drop that next week so um, I've made a commitment now to finish that off and get it out so um, whether or not I do a waffle and drop that within a week or whether I just skip a week of waffle and just leave that for you guys to to listen on but that would be really interesting because that kind of takes um, Nathan's story from start or you know his his kind of ideas about wanting to work around cars all the way through to working for Alpine Formula One so it's a fascinating story um, and I encourage everyone to go and have a listen and if you and those, those are actually been shot video as well so um, whilst obviously you're listening on Spotify you can head over to YouTube and um, watch those episodes um, and that's at Reengineering if you go and punch that in and just to be clear as well it's not re-engineering, it's re-engineering, um, as in Rensport. Um, so, yeah, just make sure you kind of type in R-E-N-N, not R-E-E-N, into YouTube and you'll find me. So, anyway, I think that probably wraps up Waffle for now. And, uh, yeah, after the intro, we'll be back, or I'll be back with Mick. And we'll talk about him, his GT4, his uh, 997 that he had before that, and... Um, yeah, what, what we're planning for the rest of the year. And all about collecting cars and Silverstone. Take care for now. So what are you going to be doing at the Isle of Man then, mate? Are you going to be, um, you're going to do this sort of, not the circuit, but drive as much of that as you can? Or? I think there's a tour going, I think there's a tour that Porsche Club are running in September. Uh, and then you can, um, at certain times they, shut the road off so you can go and drive up to the... So yes, to drive the circuit. There's unlimited bits there as well, isn't there? So. There is, yeah. Although I was there, when was I there? September, I think it was. Beautiful weather. And, I, and I'd never been to the Isle of Man before and I realised when I was there how absolutely mental those guys are for driving, for riding bikes at like 150 mile an hour around some of those corners. Yeah, there's no margin for error at all. You see it on YouTube, don't you, when they're overtaking each other, you're like, oh. Yeah, you've got to have, had, you've got to have a screw loose, I'm sure. 
So on a dry, yeah, definitely on a totally dry, you know, no fog, no mist, nothing like that. And you look the ground, it's not rained for two weeks and it's perfectly bone dry. It's nice and sticky, then I'd take the car out there, but even with the de-restricted bits, I don't think I'd, it's just too much. There's no, there's no runoff. It literally, if you make a mistake and you get a bit of a tank slapper, it's that's a tree, it. A tree or a lamppost, isn't it? it is much, yeah. Or a curb. I mean, when you see them putting their knees down, you're like, they're, they're right on top of the curb there. They are literally on. Yeah. I mean, I know they. I know it's like. Um, I don't know if you're into rock climbing, but there's a guy called Alex Honnold, and he's he free soloed El Capitan in. Um, is that the National Geographic movie they made? Was yeah, it? yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, I saw it, it was impressive. Yeah, it is, but I think there's a similarity between that, right, where he spent years mapping that route yeah. out and knowing every tiny little move. I think there's that, that's pretty similar to the, the guys that are on bikes lapping the Isle of Man. Yeah. And you know every curb stone, you know every kind of, like, undulation in the road, you know every road surface and where they change. And, Otherwise, you'd, there's no way you'd be able to go that quickly around there because you'd be. Yeah. And it's the same with the ring, isn't it? Like if you turn up at the ring, unless you've done hundreds of laps, probably shouldn't really be going for a lap time because you. <laughs> and it changes every year anyway. It seems they re-tarmac something. And the weather must be a massive um, factor there because you're up in the mountains, aren't you? So it's. Yeah, and it, that is true. You do see a difference in in weather between one part of the circuit and the next. Twenty-three kilometres or whatever it is, twenty-six kilometres. I don't know if you've listened to the um, latest Nine Works podcast, but they got RPM on there. Oh, they're, yeah, oh, they're, yeah, great. Yeah. yeah, and they're talking about um, track days and stuff like that. They did twenty-six track days last year, and I think they went to the ring three or four times. Yeah. So Lydia, that works at RPM, I've already been down to RPM and shot a whole episode with her. And she made, she was so nice, and it's and it typically is Lydia that does all of the um, driver support stuff. So yeah. she goes to all the track days and makes sure the drivers are all prepped and they got everything they need. I was super impressed with RPM though. It's like a really great mix of applying modern tech, but they've got these old workshops and this. Yeah. Um, I think chap's name's John. I don't know. Oh, if, this, if this goes out anyway, and Lydia hears this, she can always correct me if it's wrong. But he was working on a. Um, working on a backdate but in his own workshop right he had his own workshop to himself and he had a 959 in there that they were restoring or doing some like preparation and preservation work on it so you had that on the one part of the site and then on the other part of the site you've got this manti racing you know like all the body parts are stripped off in it's having loads of suspension work done all in the same comp all in the same build like the same set of buildings it's amazing though they can do all of that Yeah, because Greg was saying uh, he was driving, doing the ring with Tim Harvey, yeah. and, and Greg was passenger, and then they were going for a, a gentle. A gentle with Tim yeah, Harvey. Gentle. <laughs> and then I think a GT3 came past him, and then Tim, the older, the, the red mist came down with Tim, or the, the, the competitive nature of Tim came out. Mate, once you're a racing driver, I, don't, I genuinely don't think that that ever leaves you, even if you're, I don't know how old Tim is now, he's probably in his late 50s. I think the last race he did, um, like Greg said he, but he's, he won the race of champions at Nürburgring. Tim right, Harvey, yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. He, the GP circuit. he obviously knows the uh, knows the circuit. Is that on the GP circuit? No, the, the Norschleifer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, that's what he came across as. I yeah, think. yeah, yeah. I'm sure it was. Yeah. I 
I've never been to see the race champions, and you know they do the indoor one at Earl's Court or yes. wherever it is. I keep meaning to go and see that. But And it's always interesting to see the disciplines mixed. Like you'll have a circuit racer against a rally driver against a XF1 driver. Yeah, pretty cool. So for those of you listening, if you are listening at this point, and I've kept this in, um, it's really hard to know whether this is actually going to come out and the engine noise, because the cabin noise in the GT4 718A is significant. <laughs> it's, it's so much different to my car. I mean, obviously they're chalk and cheese anyway, because my car's a Bogo came in and this is a GC4, but my car's loud outside and not that loud inside, and this is... You should get a decibel reader, mate, and find out what this is inside. It's got to be high 80s, if not 90, on the door inside. And that's with a standard exhaust, so... Well, still think... Oh, no, you can't, because you can keep the... You can keep the extended warranty going. Yeah, so what, one of the things I'm, I need to... I'll, I'll, when, the, when I get the MOT done, I'll get the uh, warranty extended with, yeah. with Porsche as well. So. Yeah, yeah, so that pretty much writes off doing any modifications anyway. Just peace of mind. What is it, 1200 quid or 1300 quid? Uh, it depends, you can go for a three year, two year, or one year. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's basically, it's worth your while going for the three year one really, because yeah. of the, just the cost of it. I can't remember how much it was, about 1500 quid, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's given, I mean, I don't think these have got many inherent faults, but you've only got to have one I don't know, one small problem in you, yeah. like a, I don't know, a failure of a PCCB that isn't just down to wear, and then you get a free PCCB out of it, and you know, it's paid for that in itself straight away, so. If I hadn't have been absolutely committed to messing around with my car, I would have probably done the same, but. I don't know, I, think, I don't know how long you can run it for, 10 years, I think? Porsche aftermarket warranty? Uh, yeah, so the, um, I'm not sure on that because I th the the 991.1 GT3s that had the um, chocolate, engines. chocolate engines, or yeah, depending on what the e FG or whatever they were, um, they've gone up to 15 years warranty on those. So the 10-year warranty is about the Porsche gave them, or we're about to finish on the ones that were produced in 2013. But you can extend it, I think, to 15 years. Yeah, that makes sense. I wonder how much, I mean, you're never going to know, right? They're never going to publicise this. All right, I've got to give them the uh, shut up ball. <laughs> my legs <laughs> you know like I think I can't remember the last time I did that with somebody where you go out and you're past being passengers and then you're you're really relaxed and then someone like puts the, their foot down and you you either grab hold of the, the door pocket or you um, uncross your legs or you kind of just sit upright a little bit as if you've got any control in the situation whatsoever makes no difference at all but just coming out of the road works so out of the 50 yeah, back up to 70 obviously of course yeah 70 plus 10 percent but, um, and again, you guys won't have, I mean, you might have heard that, which I hope you do, because I'll keep it in, but 
there was a bit, it was a bit squirrely on Cup 2's just putting your foot down wasn't it but I'm surprised mate because you, you don't seem to have been too bothered about using and I, I think I mention it every time we see each other if we're doing a winter thing that Cup 2's in the winter but you seem alright with it like it's not too much of an issue well um, going up to Bista the other week um, so pretty Porsche Christmas yes yeah, yeah. Uh, before it was on the t 11th of December I think it was it was minus five down here in Winchester uh, and when when we were going out um, it was quite squirrely on the estate and I said tomorrow oh, we're making a mistake today um, we got to we met up with a load of Porsche guys at um, Sutton Scotney and that was like a skating rink really? and then uh, we got up to Bista okay but then it started snowing at Bista and I'm like oh no you know, worst scenario with Cup 2 tyres. So I just took it easy. Drive yeah. um, to the conditions and all yeah. that. Yeah, the accelerator pedal goes both ways, doesn't it? You know? so, yeah, yeah. Have you thought about buying winter tyres at all? Uh, it, it's too, I mean, it, I have, but you need another set of, you That's need to store the top, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Did you, um, have you seen some see-through glasses? Uh, Austria trip and he went out and tried to find a set of Michelin Alpines I think he was looking for. Oh yeah, I've not seen that one yet. No, is it? no you know, and he, he had a right merry dance trying to find a set. Ended up buying two from uh, a main dealer and then two from some random person in Scotland and then getting them shipped down and then, oh, it's a bright pain in the ass. I don't know why that is, whether that was just a supply chain thing or whether it was, I don't know, time of the year. Tell you what else you can notice the difference. I mean, like this, this is a bit of a stupid comparison comparing a base Cayman to a GT4, but it, I mean, they're two Caymans, right? So there's going to be some similarities, but you can tell the difference between the damping in this car over mine. The damping is like overall firmer, and I'm guessing you've got it. Oh, uh, right, okay, so that's in soft, is that's yeah, in normal mode, right? Yeah, yeah, straight away, yeah. And I reckon, so I reckon my PASM shocks with um, KW springs, I reckon it's probably 20-30% softer than this. So I think your normal is my Sport, or Sport Plus, whatever you want to call it, like PASM on. We could see Connor's car. Yeah. Yeah, he's absolutely buzzing about yeah. that. We have daily updates from him. <laughs> Mate, I've fueled up for the first time. Mate, I've gone here for the first time. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a uh, Mark II Golf GTI, the 16 valve, big bumper yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Big bumper as well. Yeah, big bumper one. Bumper. Yeah, five door. And four. I was looking for a three door, but I couldn't find one. Yeah. So I had to settle for a five door. Colour? Uh, red. Okay. And that was a nice car. Um, I was. One of those ones you regret selling, you know. It's, it's all hindsight, isn't it? Yeah. I had a. It came up on a piston head conversation ages ago, but um, about two or five GTIs, and I had three. But um, um, what was it? Topaz blue, and they made thirty of those. Yeah. Topaz blue, Sorento green, and they made two hundred and twenty-five or something of Sorento greens, and steel grey, and they they only made like fifty steel grey. They were all 
in perfect condition. And, it, and I look back at those now, you see ratty 205 GTIs going for like eight grand, nine grand. Um, so God knows what, like a 150 steel grey, it'd be worth a fortune though. And I know what happened to that car as well, because I sold it, I think I sold it for 2,600 quid, 2,700 quid, yeah. back in 2009, I want to say. And the guy wrote it off two weeks later. No, it only done 60,000 miles, it's wow. perfect. Yeah. Is a proper keeper that car, but what happened to your um, GT or Golf GT? I sold. I, um, I think I sold it when I sold it years ago, when uh, just after Connor was born. Okay. Uh, not blaming Connor. <laughs> did you get good money for it? Yeah, I did actually. I mean, it, it wasn't. You know, I didn't lose much money on it. Was it modified or have you had to? No, um, the basic stuffs like. Um, I changed the rear light clusters to smoked yeah. and the in indicators to smoked and I did that I, I put the white dash in. Okay, yeah. Lockwood. Lockwood white dials, yeah. they were everywhere when they in the nineties. Um, but that was about it really, everything else was pretty stock. Yeah. That was probably the way to go to be fair. I, I don't think I'd have done the lock, lockwood dials now, but back in the day they were all the rage when they Yeah, I remember you, I used to service it, or I do it install the maintenance myself. Did you? Yeah, um, and there was a couple of times when, you know, I'm sure I'm sure I'm not the only person who's done it, but I was, did the oil change, um, I, flushed, I put the flushing oil in, and then heated the car up, and then forgot that the oil's going to be hot when you drop the sump plug out, so I knocked oh, right. the, so that, that made a mess of the drive one, one day, so I had to clean all that up. And then another time, um, I forgot to put the, the sump plug back in as I was pouring the oil in. Oh, well done, mate. So That's the, a classic. <laughs> that is a classic. So oil was going in and then it was coming out the bottom. We've gone through four litres already and it's still not even halfway. I remember I had a um, Volkswagen Corrado. So it was a KR16 valve lamp, same as the Mark II Golf GTI, basically. Is that the supercharged one or the vehicle? No, no, it wasn't the supercharged one. I didn't have enough money for that. I just looked for the best kind of the same with, the, with my Cayman really, I just looked for the best version of what I could, you know, I had a certain amount of money and I was like, whatever I get, whether it's a VR6, a 16 valve or a G60, I'll look for the um, best whatever I can find and it was a 16 valve, so um, not particularly quick or anything, it was pretty slow really, but it was in really good condition. Yeah, and no, I always liked the Corrado, um, I, one of my favourite cars, I was, I did, like you, didn't have enough money for it, it was, a, it was like a, a purple colour. Uh, the VR6. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. They had um, lovely black leather interior. Yeah, it was be those things were beautiful. I think they're probably still worth a fair bit now. I haven't looked at what their value is like for Corrado's, but I'm trying to get parts for them now, that's the problem, because yeah. they were built separate in the Carmen factory, yeah. and all the body presses and stuff were just, obviously they only had a limited amount that they were going to do, and so there's loads of plenty of smash up of the front end even if it's relatively minor yeah. you, you're into like trying to find second hand panels because there's no chance of getting a new one so yeah. whereas golf gti's you can probably still pick up the odd few panels here and there maybe even from factory i don't know maybe that's a bit over so i meant i meant to ask as well talk me through your 991 991 997.2 when did you buy that again so i bought that from um so I was looking at quite a few independent 
uh, places in the south. Um, you know, the usual par, paragon, yeah. uh, harbour cars, uh, and chapel sports cars. Yeah. No relation. Um, and I ended up buying it from um, chapel sports cars in uh, Ch Chichester. And, and for those who don't know, they're about half a mile away from harbour cars. Uh, but they're on the A they're on the A twenty seven, whereas Harbour Cars is on the road down towards is it the, is it the Witterings? Um, maybe maybe not the Witterings, but it's, it's down maybe Selsey or something like that. But it's down towards the, the, the beach. And I was looking at both of them, and then um, uh, they they called me up and they had a, a manual nine nine seven dot two Carrera S, uh, and we we legged it down there and test drove it, and then made a decision there and then. Not surprised, mate, and I and it's stupid because it at the time I don't think I really, I don't think I'd really glued myself up enough on the differences between a 997.1 and a dot two and yeah. desirable spec and all that sort of stuff. And it's only really after you sold that car that I realised actually that was a really not wasn't just a nice car that was a really nice car. Yeah. Um, it had every, it, it ticked every box apart from it didn't have a sports exhaust. Which is no big deal. No, right? because I, I I looked at um, retrofitting a sports exhaust, but I think Porsche wanted about two and a half, three grand for it, um, for for not much benefit on noise really. So I did the usual, swapped out the um, centre silencer for the Haywood and Scott. Still wasn't quite where I wanted it to be, and then uh, we used to go over to Dins Larkin for the um, big Porsche meet in Germany in May, and I uh, spoke to Gert Carnival. Uh, and he does modifications to the side cans. So we stopped off on the way back and he swapped them out in about 30 minutes and it sounded amazing after that. Yeah. When you sold it, did you leave all that stuff on? Yes. Okay. It's funny because it, in retrospect, if I'd, knew, if I'd have known what I knew, if I'd have known what I know now back then, yeah. God, that was hard to get out. Um, I reckon I'd have bought that off you. And then you'd have seen it knocking around. Yeah, it would have been nice to see it. Knocking, yeah, because you know. You never seen it again. No, never, never. Okay. Not on rent. Not on um, any of the forums. No, nothing. No. Because I had the wheels done uh, matte bronze as well. Yeah. So you know it stands out. Yeah, it definitely looked. Although I've seen one other car that I thought was yours yeah. with those bronze wheels, and it was a totally different car. Yeah. But yeah, it was really really nice car because the two things everyone always said to me when I got out of it well that sounds good yeah. and the wheels look amazing so yeah. what miles did that have uh, that was about up, I took it up to about 50,000 I think so still a lot I mean some miles yeah. used but not, not loads and no problems with it anyway no so uh, remind me again how much did you get for that when you sold it that was about 30,000 I think they're probably about 50,000. They are, yeah. They, they, and, I, and I think they shot up within about six months, didn't they? Ugh. I mean, you wouldn't have been in this if you had held on to it because this would have gone straight away and then you'd have missed a chance. But Yeah, it was at that time because I bought this, um, I picked this up two days before the first COVID lockdown. Yeah. You sneaked it in, didn't you? Yeah, I sneaked it in just before. We sort of had an inkling it was we were going to get locked down, didn't we? But we didn't know when. Yeah. And I don't know if I told you the story. So we, we were at the um, London Classic Car Show, and I got wind of um because this was a cancelled order. I didn't I wasn't on the list or anything. 
I got wind of two cancelled orders in uh, uh, Porsche Centre, East London. So uh, we legged it across to East, East London. Yeah. Uh, they had a, this one, black and gold, and they also had a white one. Uh, so I said to the guy, um, black and gold's my thing, so I want the black and gold one. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we did the deal there and then. Uh, re, uh, go forward a few years, we go into the, um, the Silverstone Classic. And I had a white, white GT4 behind me, flashing me away, uh, parked up, it parked up next to me, and a woman came out with her husband, lovely couple, and they said, look at the number plates, and it was like one digit different. Wow. Okay. And so they, they, they were in the showroom the same time as us. Wow. And the, the guy came over and said, look, I'm ever so sorry, but that couple over there have just bought the black and gold one. <laughs> wow, so they wanted they this. Ah, oh, yeah. right, okay. Okay, okay. Was the other one, was the white one a club sport as well? No. Right, okay. No. Yeah, comfort seats, yeah. So, uh, but we kept in contact with them, yeah. and we bumped into them at Brands Hatch as well, so it's a small world. It is a small world, that's the thing, isn't it? Once you get to know people, you realise that, you know, I, I take Johnny from, um, uh, I can never remember the bloody, is it Cone though? Did you get home? Johnny Smith? No, not Johnny Smith, no. It's, Johnny Lauer's name is uh, Makina Studios. Does well, there's loads of photography. So, my two favourite photographers on Instagram are Simon Jessup and Johnny from Makina Studios. Um, and I've bumped into Johnny like three or four times, not planning to, but just we both turn up in the same place and he's come over and said hello straight away. Yeah. Lovely guy. And it's that those sorts of things you think, bloody hell, it, it is such a small, big world, but small yeah. community, you know. I think one that uh, people always forget about, and I think Michael Bath reminded me when I did the Paul School um, podcast with him, was the, uh, you know, everyone goes to the nine, uh, GT3 Touring, they talk about GT3 Touring, but the first GT3 Touring was the 911R. It was, yeah. yeah so, you know, and you don't see any of those on the road. No, I, although weirdly I was at Porsche Portsmouth and I saw the original and then the brand new one parked next to each other. Wild because you don't see that. I mean, when are you ever going to see that? I still think I prefer the 997 version. Yes. And I think if I was going to do, if I was going to modify a 997, I'd probably go 911R body panels. Do my own thing, not not make it a replica of the 9, uh, 911R, but just those body panels. I think in my head and on Gran Turismo, I've kind of modified every. <laughs> so the kind of what I would ha what I would do with it, yeah. as far as you can anyway. And it normally is uh, white paint E88s with a gold wheel centre. Yeah. Ridiculous amount of camber. Basically, like a cup car. I mean, I think I'd have if I you know, obviously lottery money, isn't it? But it is. I'd have one of those over a Carrera GT, I think. What, 911R? Yeah. Yeah. 918 Spider or. Uh... Oh, yeah, now you're talking. No, I think I'd have to stick with a flat six. Yeah. I don't know why I get stuck on values, but I do wonder what the value is going to be like with a 911R in the future, you know? Are there any up for sale? I've not looked. Is there any up for sale at the moment? I haven't looked. Should have a look at it, in a minute. In fact, I will do. I'll, I'll 
chip in now and say what, what I've managed to find in terms of what's for sale in the world. Editing pool here. Absolutely nothing online I could find. America seems to be quite a bit ahead of us in terms of values. Yeah, you look at the Carrera GTs, because I mean, I know they were like really low mileage ones, weren't they? Yeah. But they were going for $2 million, oh, weren't they? And they're a special car, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But I'll tell you what is interesting, and it wouldn't fit in here at all, but... So built by Basil, the guy that makes the gear knobs. Um, I've been working with him on a Carrera GT-style gear knob. Yeah. And he's just about finished the design. He sent me some videos of it last night of him um, putting together... So exactly, literally, exactly what I said to him that I didn't want, like, a just a balsa wood 917 kind of look. Yeah. I wanted like, if you could just make the Carrera GT gear knob, but so it fits directly on the shaft for a 991, 981, um, and he's cracked it, so. Nice one. He makes them out of recycled skateboards. Recycled skateboards, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I've already been over to see him and shot like about an hour's worth of footage. And again, I go, it needs to get chopped down into like 15, 20 minutes, but. He's a lovely guy, he's a really smart guy. It's nice to see somebody leaving behind a day job and then going and doing something they're passionate yeah. about as a job. Yeah, I listened I listen, I listen to him on, a, I think it might have been a Lee Sibley um, Road to Red Line pod, yeah. podcast a few years ago. Uh, and I was quite impressed. The first thing to do is go and like him on, Facebook, on Instagram, isn't it? Yeah. That's a good point, actually. It is, you know, like he, Simon, for example, from Built by Basil. He's one guy, you know, like, so every time someone likes or shares or you're not just helping a company, you're helping a guy with a family that, you know, so it is worth going over and, and sort of sharing and liking and doing what you can to support someone. I'm gutted about missing out on those door cards, you know, because I looked at the Ren, uh, the Ren line, Renline have done some door pulls for the for the original door card because there's a difference between these door cards and the the standard normal yeah. door latch thing. So you can't you can't retrofit that section into a normal door card, no. which is a pain in the ass. And I just and I had the I was they were on eBay and I, um, with nine apart these Carrera T door cards and they've been sat there for weeks and weeks and weeks and I've just been looking at them going shall I shall I shall I shall I but they were at 900 quid for two door cards I was like I'd literally be doing it for the freaking door pulls 900 quid for a set of door pulls that, that don't do anything other than look a bit fancy <laughs> that's a lot of money to spend on, a, on an aesthetic thing but anyway someone beat me to it so I took the decision away from me but the Renline ones, I was, I've seen, I've looked at those and how they fit, and they look good, but they don't look the same as this. <clears throat> and I know the nine eight seven nine nine seven version. You don't actually where where these door pulls, you pull them and the pull comes through, and that's how it opens. It doesn't do that. It opens the it opens the whole thing, and so basically all you're doing is changing a a put like a normal latch for. It just, yeah, it doesn't look great. I don't know, and I don't know whether the 991 version does the same thing, but that's not what I want. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna back to this, back to looking for some door cards again, I think. I'll keep my eye out for you, Paul. Mate, can you find any? Yeah. Is that not something that Carbone would do, or? 
I'm not, you know, I should get in touch with them and ask them if they're interested in doing something. And I costed all the parts up from Porsche, and it was reasonable, it wasn't stupid, but then I find out that it's, I mean, I'm sure you could, if you could plastic weld and things like that, you could attach that mechanism to the actual original door card, but it definitely isn't a straight swap. But I really want it, right? <laughs> it's so stupid. It's the same as the body, the trip, the body color trim for the glove, glove box thing. That's 400 quid. Wow. That's a lot of money, isn't it? For, but I was absolutely convinced that I really wanted to get rid of the silver and have body coloured. So there was no other way of doing it. We're just going past the uh, Mercedes HQ at Brackley. So they're in that Tesco's, the other side of the Tesco's building there. Uh, of course they are, yeah. Connor's not based there, he's based at Bricksworth up in uh, the other side of Northampton. He seems to be loving it, doesn't he? Yeah. Dream job. Oh yeah, have that on your CV. It's not a bad start, is no. it? Let's face it. God. <clears throat> I haven't spoken to enough people that work in Formula One now, for or around that kind of old arena. It's a bit of a once you're in, you're in. What's the um, significance of the hanging on orangutan, mate? Oh, so um, we had our dream holiday about, it was about 10 years ago, I think. We went to Borneo and we did the trek through Borneo, you know, uh, the orangutans and stuff like that. And then we went to the baby orangutan um, school and. Um, Were they teaching them French? <laughs> <laughs> I say they're, they're cheeky, they're cheeky monkeys, though, but they, right, um, right. but they, um, when they're like a year, eighteen months old, they're really, you know, they're trying to wean them off human contact and stuff like that. Sure, yeah. uh, obviously, us being there doesn't help, but it pays, helps pay for their yeah, yeah. survival and stuff like that. So um, we're up on a uh, platform where they were getting fed, and uh, one of them jumped off and grabbed, grabbed a leg, um, and they couldn't get it off my leg. So, um, but that was Calapis. And so we ended up fostering Calapis, so that's, oh, so that's, that's Calapis there, yeah. So to, to put that into context, because it won't make any sense to you guys listening to this, Mick in his GC4 has got a um, small stuffed orangutan hanging off the front windscreen. So that if you're driving around and you see a black 71A GC4 with an orangutan in the front windscreen, it'll be Mick. Yeah, he's just hanging around. Yeah, so he'll be a big boy school now in. Um, be doing his GCSEs in Borneo. I think it was eighteen months when we fostered him, but they're not they're not quite sure because they uh, they 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 rescued him from farms and stuff like that. Uh, okay, right. Oh God, it doesn't even. I, I'm one of those people that gets. I'm so sensitive about animals that I can't even. I can't expose myself to the idea that they get treated badly by different countries. It just drives me nuts. Well, it's not helped by the fact that um, they're chopping back all of the rainforest. Yeah, it just compresses them into a smaller space. Yes, yeah, and so you've now got humans and orangutans fighting over the same bit of territory. Yeah, it's just crazy, isn't it? I'll tell you what's even harder when you're doing an environmental management module for a degree and you're just exposed to kind of all the damage that's being done across the world. I, mean, I know I don't want to wax lyrical about 
you know, I'm not going to turn into Greta Thunberg or anything, but we joke about that stuff off air anyway. Yeah. But, um, but it is upsetting when you see the, de- the damage it does to animals and indigenous com- um, indigenous people to countries and stuff. It's not great. Yeah, I know. And then before before COVID, when I was uh, uh, in the office, um, I found this uh, website where you can put. You know, I, at the time, I had the Scooby, I had the 911, Moira had the, the Focus RS, yeah. and we were doing three or four long haul flights a year. Yeah. So I stuck it all into this calculator, and it showed me my carbon footprint. And it just came up on it. Like it, it came up like a bit. I'm like, I'm like, I don't understand what that means because you can't compare it against. So I got the guy next to me to do his. And he had a tiny little baby foot, so <laughs> and I shouldn't I shouldn't laugh about it. No, well, no, I mean at the end of the day, you don't you go through life making decisions on what you're going to enjoy. And you don't really think about this stuff, and it's good to at least have a conscience about it. And that's the right thing to do, right? You use these things for fun drives when you're going to get something out of it, and then use a yeah. Because every time I get in this, I want to, I want to enjoy it, really enjoy it. And, Absolutely. Uh, I don't want to get used used to it per se, if that makes sense, you know. So. Yeah. And I, and I drove my Elise as an only car for probably 18 months and I reckon it killed the enjoyment because I was just so used to being in it all the time, it took that specialness away. And then when you do get back in a car that you love and it's a you know, fun car, you kind of get that same buzz that you got when you, kind of like a tiny amount of that buzz you get when you buy the thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, I've got, We've got two electric cars now, and I know I know there's the argument why well, you've got to, all the mining that goes into them, and you've got to do about eighty thousand miles in yeah. electric car before it becomes carbon neutral, if you yeah. like. But you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? You know. It's... Well, the difficult thing is now is synthetic fuels, and what will happen if yeah. if they suddenly take off, and there's loads of investment in that. <clears throat> I think it'll be. I think if I could see into the future and put a bet down, I'd put a bet that. Cities, urban areas, and stuff. Those probably have electric cars. But if you're kind of doing longer commutes, I think I don't think you will. You know, they got like the Tesla truck, that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think the reality is they're just beyond synthetic fuel. I don't see them, and all the cars that are right there already. It's just not realistic to pull all of them off the road and be like, right, none of those are going to be. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it's just impossible. So yeah, I mean, you have to do something. Yeah, I never want to talk about the range on electric cars, you know. If you're doing two, three hundred miles a day, at the moment, electric cars aren't for you. Yeah. Um, however, if you're just doing a forty-mile trip to work, then yeah, and if you've got charging banks at yeah. work, if you've got des- destination charging is the important thing. Yeah. So you know, I've got a charger at home. We just had solar panels fitted, um, and we got chargers at work. So you know, as long as you can get on one. Yeah. <laughs> <coughs> but it's the infrastructure, you know. It's. Uh, it's interesting, I was listening to um, Behind the Glass and Sam and um, Tony were talking about this and they were on a proper whinge. And, they, and, and this is the interesting thing, right? They were saying that if you think back to the how cars developed in the sort of 80s and 90s and then they suddenly, the, the combustion engine got refined really quickly and diesels were kind of, although they were the thing that everyone's supposed to have, get a diesel, get a diesel petrol cars became so efficient that that kind of dropped off and then electric cars started coming in and they were like well look it's going to take another 20-30 years for it to get to the point where electric cars are feasible I don't think it will mate because they're basing their kind of assumptions around that progress technology progress 
is going to be as linear as it was back in the day. It won't. Technology is going through the roof, and we're developing stuff at a rate of knots. And machine learning is there now. So all of this stuff, that, all the numbers that couldn't be crunched before, and coming up with new, uh, new ways of doing things, it'll be like the same way SD cards have gone from these massive things to, you know, like 256 gigs on a tiny little micro SD. Well, that's going to be the same thing with battery tech, I think. So those, so that waiting for 20 years for a thousand mile range battery car, I, I mean, an EV, I don't think it's going to be like that at all. I think it'll be 10. We'll wait and see, right? You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with it. Well, it's like anything with any car, weight kills it. And at the yeah. moment, like you look at a Taycan, what are they, two and a half tons? Two and a half tons, yeah. They're still the best EV, yeah. I think. If I was forced into having one, and I hope I'm not, um, but then I haven't got 120 grand to go and spend on a <laughs> Taycan, so. They definitely look the best. I quite like the Audi e-tron. Uh, yeah, the e-tron's yeah. pretty cool as well, to be fair. I mean, yeah. it's pretty much the same as a, the Taycan. Sure. Yeah, when you've got Taycan aspirations and Nissan Leaf budget. <laughs> <laughs> but they're not cheap electric cars, that's the I'm thing. Is the, I mean, if they spent a bit more money designing them for... I mean, they're all big, big SUV type things, aren't they? It's not really... There's not that many small Leaf... I mean, the Leaf's quite a big car. It is, yeah. And it's bigger than you, you know, think it is. Yeah, yeah, so if they spent a bit of money designing the car to be aerodynamic and you know a bit slicker, then you get more range out. Yeah, what's the Honda? What's the Honda one? That's Honda the, E. Honda E. Yeah, that is that an electric car. Yeah, that's, that's, that's that looks cool, doesn't it? And they're, I think they're brilliant those yeah. things. And they've got that wood dash that runs with yeah. a single panel yeah. that goes. Yeah, really cool. But they're thirty grand, I think. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Like thirty grand. You've got to be really committed to, to and that'd be very niche. You want a short range city car that's really cool, and have the money in you know, and want to spend 30 grand on that. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if there's any battery rental commitments with that or whether you buy the thing and then you're done, I don't know. So there is an interesting, there's a couple of interesting companies about to, to come out in the UK. Um, they're both Chinese. Um, one's called Neo. Ah, uh, yeah, I've heard about and these. And BYD yeah. is the other one. Okay. Um, BYD are basically a battery maker, but they're, they're a big car maker in China. Um, so they make the cars that look like other cars. So. Yeah, they they used to. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah they yeah they basically copied BMWs and. That's uh, it. Yeah, yeah, but changed the name ever so slightly. Yeah. Um, basically like Grand Theft Auto. I think it was a Neo, where you pay a subscription, uh, and you can drive into a Neo hub, and basically they all, they change the battery oh, in about okay. five in about five minutes. Wow, five minutes. Yeah. So, you drop it so yeah, so. All of a sudden, as long as they've, again, it's, you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? Of course, yeah, yeah. As long as, as long as the infrastructure's there, um, that takes away the range because you haven't yeah. got to charge it. Yeah, it's yeah, all charged for you. Be interesting to see how much they charge for that. Yeah. I think you're allowed four swaps a year or something like that. What's the, what is that? Um, I mean, I can't remember because of it, but it's a Lambo that we've just spotted, and it looks like a. Oh, what are they called, mate? Was it a Performante, was it? No, it wasn't a Performante, it's much newer than that. I can't remember now. STO? STO, thank you, STO. So it, we're just literally pulling in Silverstone now and there it's 80% Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> one with a roof rack. Two Lotuses, one, yeah, one... 
9964S with a roof rack. He put his tent on it. Yeah, yeah I think I think that's the thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. After um, 996 road trip, everyone's um, buying 4Ss and trying to recreate that look. A couple of the a couple of the Voras. Three Caymans actually, yes. A 981S and a 981 GT4. Speed yellow GT4, yeah. I'm trying to think about the last time I came to Silverstone. It's been years, I think. I came to the F1 here of uh, 2019. Okay. Um, we camped over there for the weekend. Mm. Um, and I've never been to an F1 so busy. Bearing in mind we used to go into the ones in Abu Dhabi where you're, you're, there's two of you in on Friday practice. Here, Friday practice is packed. Yeah. Saturday qualifying is even busier and Sunday is just mental. Smile. We're on camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing you get in this car, don't you? You get snapped constantly. There's someone ushering us around. Ignore everyone, drive to the front. Morning. There's Connor. It is busy. I mean, it's not absolutely heaving. C4S here. They, they've gone to try and think they're parking somewhere, but they're not. Thank you. <laughs> that was, uh, I'd love it, wasn't it? It was, I'd love it, yeah. I hope this guy's gonna move. Hello. There's an old guy that's decided he's gonna just stand there, okay. Cool. Right, let's wrap up there and then come back afterwards and we can give a bit of a debrief on collecting cars. Collecting cars, Silverstone, done. Oh, I don't wanna try further the temperature is because it feels like it's two degrees. Yeah. 13 and a half, it says. I can't believe that. No. Nine. I'm just being wow. an absolute fanny then, because it's... It's the wind here though, isn't it? So. Yeah, there's definitely... Um, collecting Porsches, they should have been. Yeah. Yeah, Honda Integra DC2, that was really cool. All of the old Honda Type R cars I'm a big fan of. They're really cool. Special mention to Connor for his... Golf GCI, which is absolutely beautiful. Yes. He's buzzing, isn't he, about yeah, that? Yeah, he's chuffed a bit. Good lad. Favourite car of the day, mate? I quite like that Ruby Star. Ruby Stone. Stone yeah. Carrera RS. Yeah. Um, from a Porsche one. Uh, for a non Porsche. Uh, oh. What should I go for? Um, I liked. The Testarossa, there's two Testarossas. Mm. Yeah. The yellow one, just to be different. Turn Fair. left. Well, there's a 512. Turn right. <laughs> How do I turn that off? I don't know, don't worry about it. There you go. Yeah, there's a 512 TR and a Testarossa. Yeah, lovely. Lovely yeah. to see those. Um, I'm going to go for that white 4RS that we saw. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah. I just thought that looked mega. Yeah. I think they in the, in, 
presence, the kind of, it's just the, yes, it came in sent up to 11, love it. Non-Porsche, it's a difficult one, really. I wasn't really paying a lot of attention, really, but there's loads of stuff that was really cool. Nice to see other things. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to go for the, oh, I don't know, Honda Integra Type R with gold and key wheels. Yeah. They were really cool. And I missed the boat when I had one of those because I had an Accord Type R. Some of those Renaults, the Clio's were nice as well, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nice, nice to see them out and about. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there was a Clio Williams as well. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. It's a nice short morning anyway. That was good. Cool. Well, mate, thanks for joining in and I'll have to catch up again sometime and do another one. Definitely. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that waffle with Mick um, at GT4 Winchester on Instagram. Um, Connor, his son, actually runs most of that channel, I think, um, that Instagram account. Uh, and Connor's going to be on very soon as well because um, he is really the the reason why Reengineering ever came to be. So um, we've already shot probably a couple of episodes. They're all in the bank already. Um, and that's kind of the, the sort of deep profiling of of his journey because he now also works um in motorsport albeit um was working for he works for mercedes um hpp but he was working on supporting formula the formula one team and now he works on the amg one uh hypercar so it'll be really interesting to catch up with him again and help, we'll have him on the channel and lovely to see him and hit and celebrate his first kind of proper car i think you won't mind me saying that but um he bought a 2017 or 2018 i think it's 2018 yeah it's 2018 uh mark seven and a half golf gti which is you know i'm sure you guys will all remember as well that first going from like a, a run-of-the-mill shopping car into your first proper performance car and how big a moment that was um he's going through that right now so it's, it's so cool to see how buzzing he is about it and how excited because i very much remember those feelings and and those days so albeit it was 20 something years ago now that that was the case um but yeah so that's really cool as well so we're, he'll be on the channel very soon um how can you help well if you look if you're really enjoying these episodes and you want to hear more of them the best way you can do that is to leave a five-star review um the way the algorithms work is the more good reviews and interaction the channel gets the more it kind of pushes it out to um, a wider audience and then obviously if there's a wider audience it means that i can do more of them um uh, so there is a Patreon that's already been launched, uh, but you know these, these are early days. Um, you are welcome to go and if you go onto Patreon uh, forward slash Reengineering, you'll find the Patreon page and you can support the channel that way. There's a couple of different tiers, uh, but even you know a couple of pounds or a couple of dollars a month, it all helps. Um, and I promise you, I'll invest. You know, it'll all go back into the channel. It'll all be to try and improve the quality um, and build a channel out. So it really would be valued. Um, yeah. I'll be back next week. I really hope you have a lovely week. And uh, yeah, take care and I will see you soon. Bye-bye for now.